And now, from the Star of David shaped spaceship in history of the world, part two, it's the IGN Digigods. Right? Please welcome two skin jobs, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Hey, Bob, who was clever enough to make a skin job reference? Andrew Wilson, why? Uh, I don't know. Are you going to sue him? Yeah, maybe. Maybe Phil K. Dick will sue him. Speaking of that, we saw a movie uh, tonight, didn't we, uh, based on a Phil K. Dick short story, Mark? We saw The Adjustment Bureau. Yeah, we did. Lovely. Based on The Adjustment Team, right? That was the uh, the Dick short story that it was based on. Is that right? Yeah, The I- Adjustment Team. I did. I didn't. Well, bureau sounds much more uh, sinister and bureaucratic. Yes, it does. I was. I'm a little lukewarm on this. I am too. Uh, A little. uh... It feels a little. uh, It's. It's uh, the storytelling uh, not that clean. Don't quite understand what the bureau actually does because it makes it up as it goes along based yeah, on what the, what the I, narrative needs. Like, I admire that it was well. We'll get into it on stupid for movies. I, I admire that it was. Uh, it aspired to be intelligent. I'll give it props for that. So, uh, boy, what a what a we got a lot to go uh, chat about on Thursday on Stupid for Movies. So definitely join us this Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific time, stupidformovies.com or streaminggarage.com. That's one G streaming garage. Because uh, you want to know what I? Th- By the way, I went to go see Rango. Yeah, and I didn't tell you this, but when we left this, we, now you you didn't see Rango. No, I didn't see Rango. Now, when uh, when you left the theater for Rango, yes, yes. they gave you a book. Wow, a book about the making of the art for Rango. Oh, oh, you mean it actually had to do with Rango? I thought yeah. it was going to be like like a you know old like, man of the sea or something. No, the uh, autobiography of Robert Bond. No, something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they gave you a book, the art of Rango, and I'm that's not nice. giving it away, folks. I want that book. There you go. Uh, well, that's great. We'll be talking about Rango, and we'll be talking about the Adjustment Bureau on Stupid for Movies. We'll also be covering some news items, as I'm sure. Everyone is dying to know what we think about uh, the Oscars and Charlie Sheen and the Oscars and Charlie Sheen. And, and what else is there this week? That Charlie Sheen will never win an Oscar. Libya? Is there any reason to talk about Libya? Uh, I mean, Muammar Gaddafi's son is a producer. He's here. He's trying to raise money for movies. I well, love Muammar Gaddafi. I mean, not raising money. He was going to use the family's fortune, but I think that's all over now, huh? Okay. Can you imagine if you were a producer and you had Gaddafi money in your movie and you were ready to roll and then suddenly the assets are frozen and they can your movie? You know what? That there's, would blow. There's a million reasons for a movie to get derailed anywhere during the process, <laughs> and that would that one would be a first. <laughs> By the way, let me just say, I don't know who's honestly. I don't know who's crazier at this point, Charlie or Gaddafi. I've been watching the interviews with them both, and I and I'm it, it's sad. In both cases, it's incredibly sad. But Charlie's not killing anybody except himself. That is true. By the way, can I just say? Yeah. Uh, March 29th, Wade. Yes. What is March 29th? Black Swan Blu-ray. I know. Now, uh, I love Black Swan. Um, that, that would that would be Black on Blue. One of my favorite... Uh, yeah. I don't get it. Uh, one of my favorite films of the year, if not my number one film of the year, Black Swan. Uh, 1080p video, uh, DTS HD uh, 5.1 soundtrack. Um, not a whole lot re- in terms of... Um, well, actually, the Blu-ray has more extras in the uh, than the regular DVD, and uh, it's going to be good stuff. Now, also, we have uh, MGM in April is going to be uh, they'll be releasing five catalog titles: Mystic Pizza, Benny and June, Lars and the Real Girl, The yep. Lovely, and Much Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, I don't know if any of those movies are actually very good. Much Ado About you, Nothing. That's true. Love that movie. Also, by the way, folks, uh, if you go to Amazon.com. 
on Blu-ray, they have An Affair to Remember and All About Eve for 1949 each. Ooh. All About Eve Blu-ray, 1949 cool. each. So we recommend you pick that up. That's a movie from 1950 for 1949. Uh, you like that? There's a little. Okay. I do not. Uh, you know, I want to get uh, knock out a couple of uh, listener mail uh, at the top of the show here. Uh, Yasin, who of course is the godfather of the Facebook page, Yasin writes us and says, "Way to hate correcting you on stuff you don't care about." But and this is reference to my uh, WWE WWF thing last week. He said uh, it's called WWE nowadays. In 2001, the old WWF was sued by the World Wildlife Fund for the rights of the name. They changed it to WWE. That yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. I must have been uh, just completely spaced out. But uh, how about that? Uh, World Wildlife Fund screwed up a good thing with wrestling. Stupid animals. Really, honestly. I, like, who needs them? And then uh, Eric Altieri, another longtime listener, said, uh, Mark and Wade, I watched Waking Sleeping Beauty recently and started looking into Disney movies I don't have yet. After doing some research, I learned that movies like Aladdin, The Lion King, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast have either been edited, recut, or improved upon. These are not the original theatrical versions we saw in the theater. And uh, he talks about how incredibly frustrating it is, and I agree. It is frustrating, and I don't know that we're ever going to get that changed because those original versions for a lot of these movies will never come out because there's no monetary reason for them to do so unless fans make a real stink, and I don't see that happening. Um, but he, uh, he also said, um, picked up the Psycho Blu-ray and popped it in and saw that the video was full frame 16.9. And uh, he real he was thinking they had recut the film uh, to uh, fit his TV. And before jumping to conclusions, I hit the internet and came across Blu-ray.com. That's blue-ray.com. And uh, they have screen caps of all the Blu-rays that they review, so you can see the aspect ratio. And it turns out the aspect ratio of the film is very similar to 16.9. So he said his worries about Psycho being tampered with were gone, but what about other movies? Uh, here's the thing. 16.9 actually equates to a... 1.78 it's like 1.77 but it's really 1.78 aspect ratio most movies are 185 unless they're really widescreen and uh, that means that pretty much if something fits your TV it has been cropped but it is so minute that the difference between 178 and 185 is you're just not going to notice it so now, I wouldn't uh, worry too much now you're talking about Disney uh, Blu-rays the, uh, I happen to be surfing around uh, the net the web the interwebs yes and the good folks over at High Def Digest had an interesting article about the top 10 animated Disney films not on Blu-ray. And those would be? Uh, Cinderella, The Rescuers, Hercules. Forget that one. Ooh, Hercules. That's right. That's not out. Dud. Black Cauldron. Yeah. Jungle Book. Yeah. Peter Pan. Aladdin. And The Song of the South. The Sword and the Stone. And The Song of the South. <laughs> the Little Mermaid not on Blu-ray. True. But and, that's being prepped. And Robin Hood, really? So that's being yeah. Uh, yeah Little prepped. Mermaid's being prepped. That's going to be a big deal, uh, probably later this year. And that's uh, that's a list from the good folks at High Def Digest. Very cool. Dot com. And then the last, the very last of our uh, mails today is from Denny Bryant, Denny Elizabeth Bryant. That would be a female listener. Thank you, Denny. Whoa, we, whoa, we, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we, we have a female listener? I know. It's like such a male-centric oh show. So this is incredibly welcome. 
Uh, then he says, hey, guys, do you think it would be a selling point for Blu-ray if more people knew that their movies on PAL DVDs were running at the wrong speed and pitch? As I'm sure you know, almost all films that were shot at 24 frames a second then tra- when transferred to PAL are simply sped up to run at 25 frames a second. This makes all the films 4% faster so that a 100-minute film is over in 96 minutes, but it also raises the pitch of the speech and music by almost a full semitone. Uh, Since Blu-rays, regardless of region, run films at the correct frame rate, the format is typically the only way that people in New Zealand, Australia, UK, and EU can actually see a film as it was intended, and it also helps that most Blu-rays are region-free. Uh, I don't know that most Blu-rays are region-free. I know that, that players can play them across regions, and Blu-ray regions, of course, are a little different than uh, than uh, DVD regions. But uh, then she says, on a completely separate note, have you heard anything about a Blu-ray of the 1990 Tom Savini version of Night of the Living Dead? Uh, and on that latter point, absolutely nothing. I, I don't know that that's going to come out anytime soon. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how a lot of these horror films do on Blu-ray. There's kind of a, a mini-bubble of uh, fans who love horror on Blu-ray that's kind of... They want to wait and see if that really lasts. But otherwise, I don't know. What do you think? Blu-ray, uh, if people realize that um, the the PAL NTSC issue kind of goes away with Blu-ray? I, I think that is so inside baseball for most people. It is, huh? Don't you think? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people have complained about what they think are incorrect running times, and they go, is it cut? It's not the right running time. And it always turns out to be a PAL conversion issue. And uh, that's really screwed a lot of people up. So I, I know a lot of people may not know why, but they know that something's wrong. They know something's not right. You know what's not right? The fact that we're 10 minutes into the show, we haven't right. talked about DVDs yet. We're going to do it. Ah, uh, I made you feel guilty. Yes, you did. So uh, British television, Mark, i, I got to go through it. They've been piling up. i got to roll through it. I'm going to sit here and surf the web for the next okay. five minutes I'm while you go do through that. This Let's really... see what's happening in the news. Okay, we got uh, Wish Me Luck, Series 2. Uh, Wish Me Luck is, uh, is a very, very good British series uh, that has been out for a while. This is from the late, uh, late 80s. And uh, it's t- set during World War II, and it's about women uh, secret agents. This is a very, very cool show, very well done, from an era when uh, you didn't have a lot of great British drama that kind of crossed over here, but this is one that uh, really deserves your looks. Uh, definitely check it out. The Agatha Christie Hour was shown on Mystery here, and uh, in this one, the Agatha Christie Hour, we get five really cool mysteries. Uh, Magnolia Blossom, The Mystery of the Blue Jar, The Red Signal, Jane in Search of a Job, and the manhood of Edward Robinson. That is not Edward G. Robinson. That's just Edward Robinson. Uh, really fun stuff. This is, uh, these are kind of, um, none of these are famous Agatha Christie stories because you don't really get Poirot or, uh, you know, Miss Marple or any of the usual there. But they're really good. They're very well written. And if you love the Agatha Christie style, you'll really groove to it. Uh, this is awesome. I just can't believe how cool this is. This is set one of Man in a Suitcase, a rogue agent for hire in 1960s Europe. This is also from Acorn. And uh, if you have never seen this, you are so unbelievably missing out. This is one of the, uh, this is from 1967. And uh, Richard Bradford stars as Mac McGill, who uh, is one of those kind of rogue spies. And uh, this is, it's got a very kind of cool James Bondy feel to it. And, you know, the funny thing about this is this was, um, this is kind of from the era when everybody thought that all the great British spy stuff was, uh, you know, like uh, the Avengers and uh, the Avengers and the Avengers and. Uh, well, no, there's another one. Well, oh, oh. Uh, the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers. And, of course, you also have, uh, you know, uh, 
Roger Moore doing The Saint and, uh, you know. And yeah, The Avengers, that, too. And The Avengers and, um, you know, Secret Agent Man and The Avengers. But, uh, <laughs> no, this is actually really, this is pretty good. Fifteen episodes, four discs. And uh, it, 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 I'd, I'd almost say it's a little bit more like The Prisoner, which is probably the, I think, one of the greatest Brit- TV series British or American ever created. But uh, it's a, it's a, it feels a little bit like that. It's, it's, uh, it's grittier than all the others, though, and uh, definitely worth a look. And then uh, Discovering Hamlet. You know what? This is great. This was originally shown on PBS. It's part of uh, Acorn's Athena line. And uh, this is with Derek Jacoby and Kenneth Branagh. And um, it's really interesting. I am a huge fan of Hamlet. I think Hamlet is uh, one of the great stage studies of all time. And uh, Kenneth Branagh, basically, kind of his career first took off when he played uh, Hamlet on stage in 1988. And uh, from then on, it was it was great. And what this is, this is a there. This is kind of behind the scenes of staging Hamlet. Four weeks of rehearsals, and uh, you you learn more about Hamlet in many ways than you would of actually watching the the play. Great interview on here with Derek Jacoby. That's about a half an hour long. Uh, a lot of other great behind the scenes stuff and interviews and. Uh, a 12-page viewer's guide, as you always get with Athena things. Very great if you're a teacher and you're teaching drama or even literature. You definitely want to check this out. It'll uh, it'll teach your, your students so much more about Hamlet than you ever possibly could just by forcing them to read the text, which is impenetrable in many ways. Did you ever have to read Hamlet in school? Sure. It was, uh, it was impenetrable. On, I, yeah, I was, a, I was a kid, whatever. I had yeah. no idea what was going on. Yeah. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or take arms against the sea of trouble by opposing and them to die perchance to sleep. Yeah, see? Why, yeah, no. I can keep going. Okay, very good. Won't. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, if you like period stuff, you're going to want to check out Garrow's Law, Series 1. Garrow's Law has been wanted by fans for a long time. It is, uh, this takes place in 18th century England. It's basically a legal drama. And uh, but you know, leave it to the English to to say why do we have to, why do something in the present day why do a Law and Order type show why do a lawyer show if they can't wear powdered wigs and tights What's the point What's the point uh, This is actually based in fact, and uh, they they go to a lot of these the court records from the Old Bailey, and uh, so you, what you what you find is sort of a history of the legal system in the UK. And it's really, really good. Rupert Graves is in this and has never been better. I mean, Rupert Graves kind of, I think, is a better actor than a lot of people have given him credit for. But when he was younger, he got a lot of those kind of pretty face roles. Now he's a little older, a little gruffer, and uh, he adapts to this just absolutely beautifully. Um, Blow through here a little faster. Single-handed, set one. Uh, This takes place in uh, Ireland, and it's uh, it's not brilliant. I'll I'll be honest. I know a lot of people like this, so I'm going to tell you that it's out there. Three different mysteries, and they're all. It's sort of. It it feels very derivative of better stuff that uh, that I've seen done. But you know the the. The, the mystery thing always plays well in the UK, so uh, if you haven't gotten your mystery fix on, then go ahead. Blue Murder has been out for a number of uh, years uh, in various, you know, all the different uh, series of it. But you get all four sets in one complete series, uh, one complete box set now. This is Blue Murder, the complete collection. And, uh, you know, this is a female cop show, and uh, it's really good. Um, but it's been out before, so that's just letting you know. Now we get into some Doctor Who. 
If you are a fan of the John Pertwee years, who, of course, is the father of Sean Pertwee, who is a British actor right now, the early 70s were when John Pertwee was one of the last old dudes to play Doctor Who. After that, they went with uh, Tom Baker, and they turned Doctor Who into a into kind of a young stud that he is today. But from the uh, John Pertwee years, you have the, uh, the adventure The Mutants, which is kind of creepy, I gotta be honest. Uh, but some really good extras in here, including an audio commentary with uh, Katie Manning and Garrick Hagen, along with uh, some of the people who worked on the show. And um, but it's creepy. Pertwee is a great actor, but that's a it's creepy stuff. Then from the Paul McGann years, uh, you have the movie special edition. Now. Paul McGann, I Mark, are you familiar? You're not. You don't give a damn about Doctor Who, do you? Uh, there's a uh, there's a, a a phone booth, and uh, they go into the phone booth, and yeah, they right. become Doctor Who. Well, this is in the late '90s. I must have missed something because I don't know who Paul McGann is. This is sort of the first time that I've been exposed to this, but he's not bad. It's still a little bit cheesy. Still uh, doesn't quite feel, you know, it's it doesn't feel like it's sort of hit its stride yet. But it's okay. Um, and then, for those who think Doctor Who has never been as cool as it is now, there is the Doctor Who on Blu-ray, a Christmas special. This is the 2010 Christmas special, aired here on BBC America. And, uh, you know what? I, I could have done without this. Somehow, Doctor Who and Christmas don't really go together, but I know a lot of people love Matt Smith as the Doctor. And he's not bad. Michael Gambon shows up in this, who's always good for a hoot. Since he uh, took over for Richard Harris playing uh, the, what should we call it, Wizard and Harry Potter movies. You know, uh, Dumble Barfeldorp. I, you know, I saw, that I, I was actually uh, with, with, with our old friend Ian. Yeah. Uh, I was in London for the original Harry Potter premiere party and Richard Harris was there. Wow. I, in fact, I took a picture. And he died. I took a, that's what killed him. Yeah. The fact that I took a picture of him at the party. If you have not seen MI5, you're missing out. MI5 is a really, really well-written uh, espionage show. Volume 8 of MI5, three discs, seen here on BBC America. Absolutely terrific. Uh, it, it, you really want to check this out. This is a very well-written show, extremely well-directed, and uh, very sharp acting. Um, some behind-the-scenes stuff here and some audio commentaries. Uh then we got Top Gear. I'm going here as quickly as I can. Top Gear 14 and 15. Uh, maybe the best British series ever because it's just so damn fun. It really is. Uh, they, this has also been seen on BBC America and on BBC Canada. And uh, there's so much fun here, you just won't even know what to do. If Forget about, forget about political correctness because th- these are all about gas-guzzling, high-speed, highfalutin cars, and they just have a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, there's some really great stuff on here. The electric wind tunnel is pretty terrific. Uh, celebs in a reasonably priced car is hysterical. Yeah, check it out. It's, uh, Top Gear 14 and 15, both on Blu-ray. Uh, high quality stuff. High quality stuff. You'll never see cars the same way again. And uh, hold on here. Let's see. Ah. Midsummer Murders, a set 17. Uh, you know what? We've talked about this show endlessly. Uh, I, I'm just amazed at how long this show has continued to run. This is amazing. Four mysteries on here. And uh, you know what? It's, it's like uh, they're right. It's like Law and Order set in the, in the rural countryside. So uh, give that a look. Uh, Pie in the Sky is worth watching Series 4 just because Richard Griffiths is so amazing. Never mind the fact that it's a cop show and that he plays a detective. Forget it. It has nothing to do with it. Richard Griffiths is not going to be with us much longer because the guy is so unbelievably overweight. You know, I saw him on stage. I think I've mentioned that on the show before. He took up the entire stage, you told me. Oh, my gosh. I was afraid his hips were going to give out up there. He was so good in the History Boys. He's great, but he's just... 
He's enormous. I mean, he's huge. He's Charles Durning huge. He's char- he is. He's round. He's, he's Charles Durning huge. He's, he, he's, is he a round mound of rebound? He, he really is. You expect to see some kind of a small planetoid orbiting him at any given moment. Uh, as long as we're on cop stuff, gritty cop stuff, uh, we've got uh, James Nesbitt, always great in Series 3 of Murphy's Law, which is uh, just terrific. Uh, you know, it, it amazes me how well-written all these shows are. This is from 2005. And, um, you know, it's, I, I wish American shows were this gritty and this well, uh, this well put together. Michael Fassbender is one of the guest stars in this, and that's interesting because I just saw him the other day in the new Jane Eyre. He plays Rochester. Was well, that movie any good? You know what it is. I mean, I'm always good for, uh, up for a good Jane Eyre. The thing is, Fassbender may be the best Rochester since Orson Welles, but there's still a huge gap between Orson Welles and every other guy who's ever played Rochester that you just go, why does anyone even bother? Like, unless you can find someone who has the, the presence of Orson Welles, just don't try. But Fassbender is good. He's, he's a real chameleon. That guy. He's great, and he's and uh, he's really going to he's really going to test his acting ability in the new X Men film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Exactly. And then uh, New Tricks season three. Uh, it's an okay crime series. It's uh, you know kind of does again. This is you know, more of the same. Kind of does a lot of the same stuff that we've seen done on on other shows, better shows. Uh, I would say Murphy's Law is a better show, but this is fine if you if you're into the stuff. And uh, last couple here. I'll save the rest for another time because I know Mark is just dying over here. Oh, uh, I'm enjoying every bit of these. Roy, Roy Clark's Last of the Summer Wine has been showing a lot on PBS lately. Uh, this is Vintage 1987, the 1987 series. This is, of course, uh, a rural comedy making fun of the people who live uh, out in the middle of nowhere in the, in the British countryside. And, you know, a little, little bit of a Green Acres vibe to it. Um, you know, it, it's wearing on me a, a bit at this point. This is uh, not the best season of this series, but um, you do get uh, an interesting extra here, which is the feature-length special Uncle of the Bride, which is kind of fun. And then lastly, set one of Fresh Fields. Uh, Fresh Fields was originally aired in 1984 on Thames Television, Thames, which most of us know primarily for uh, its, uh, having brought Benny Hill into our homes. Uh, but this is about um, a couple who have you know, finally gotten their kids out of the house, and uh, what are they going to do? And uh, you know, they get a, little, a, a good bit of comedy out of it. Not the greatest uh, British comedy of all time, but you know, uh, it's decent and uh, certainly brings back a kind of a nostalgic flavor for uh, from that day, so this is uh, series one and two in set one, and uh, if you uh, if you you know like it, if you're into British comedy from that period, you'll probably enjoy it. Uh, Julia McKenzie and Anton Rogers star. How's that, Mark? Did uh, I go well, through it? I, I, I did. As, I did it as quickly as I could. You did a good job. Oh, man. Back. Okay, so yeah, uh, but how about these documentaries? Yeah, we got some- look at these. Doc, go through the docs? I don't know. Yeah, let's do the docs. Let's do the docs. Do the hustle. Do the docs. Uh, Two in the Wave is a documentary that I had the privilege of seeing at the uh, Colcoa City of Light, City of Angels Festival this last year. It is the story of the friendship and uh, the departure, of, well, the, the, the friendship and the, um, how would we put this, the tempestuous relationship between Godard and Truffaut. A lot of people don't realize Godard and Truffaut, of course, both came up in the French New Wave together. They were both writers for Cahiers du Cinéma, but came from completely different backgrounds. And uh, it created 
all friendship and friction over uh, many years. You know, Godard came from a privileged background. Truffaut was kind of a kid from the streets. And uh, Godard eventually became just a stark, raving, crazy, far-left lunatic. And Truffaut kind of went a little bit commercial. And uh, at a certain point, that killed their friendship. Godard just felt uh, Truffaut was selling out to commerciality and corporatism. And uh, Truffaut thought that Godard was completely off his nut and just trying to grandstand. And all of that stuff is documented in letters and all kinds of stuff. It's a really, really good documentary because it gives you a little bit of the history of the new wave as well as insights into these two incredible filmmakers. Very, very well done. Um, and it does it relatively quickly, 92 minutes long, so uh, I can't recommend it enough. You'll uh, you'll obviously pick your favorite. You'll say either, I love Godard and hate Truffaut, or I love Truffaut and hate Godard. But um, it's, it's great. And uh, a little bit of French film history in there, too. It's a good movie. Wade, um, a good time at the movies with uh, Dachau, Histories <laughs> of the Holocaust, from oh, the good folks at Arts, awesome. Arts Magic DVD. They've been There's, doing they've been doing these history of the Holocaust things for a while. Well, they're all they're all very good. There's, yeah, a, there's a lot of uh, great historical black and white footage here. Uh, these uh, there's two: Dachau Liberation and Retribution, and Dachau State Within a State. You know, people don't uh, remember that. You know, in the 20s and 30s, Dachau, you know, was a region. You know, it was yeah. it was uh, it was a place where it was a place of culture yeah. and religion. Yeah, and then it wound up being uh, it wound up housing the first uh, concentration camp. Mm. Electrified fences and SS guards, and obviously, I don't have to tell you about the Holocaust. Yeah. So, um, in a in a world filled with Holocaust DVDs, uh, this one is uh, not bad because it's quite uh, comprehensive, and there's two of them, mm. so you get you get you get a lot. You get a lot for your money. Wow. Um, I would very highly recommend from the good folks at Oscilloscope. Now, why do why did I know just from looking at this DVD, A Man Within, William S. Burroughs? Why did I know? It was oscilloscope because they use the eco packaging. Yes, they do. It's it's uh, it's it absolutely distinctive. Uh, William S. Burroughs was uh, one of the great Beat Generation writers. He was also a bit of a nut job. And uh, this <laughs> all, the, all those Beat Generation writers were nut jobs. Yeah, so it but, made them charming. Yeah, but Burroughs was, uh, you know, Burroughs and Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, those were the two who just seemed the most. Out there, suicidal, crazy, yeah. the whole nine yards. Yeah. Actually, I think Hunter S. Thompson probably the ultimate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he wound up, I mean, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson is, sure. is now dead. Mm. And so is William S. Burroughs. Uh, anyway, this is a terrific uh, documentary on uh, Burroughs. There's a bunch of special features on it, including uh, some deleted scenes, uh, a bunch of Burroughs art. Uh, there's a uh, 50th anniversary celebration of Naked Lunch, which might be his uh, most famous creation. And uh, it's good stuff on William S. Burroughs. Just um, he was weird. He was just a weird guy. It's a good doc. It is a good doc. It's a good doc. There's a lot of never before seen footage of Burroughs here that you guys will like. There's also interviews with uh, John Waters and Patty Smith and Iggy Pop and Gus Van Zant, um, all illuminating the life of William S. Burroughs. You know the uh, these Bill Moyers uh, sets are really, really incredibly good, and I know a lot of people really don't like Bill Moyers. He gets uh, slammed a lot by uh, some people on the right for being uh, too liberal. Gets uh, kind of ridiculed by a lot of people on the left for being kind of too convoluted. But I'll tell you, you know what? The, the guy has been he's been at it for forty years, and he's earned respect. And these uh, these sets always they're very interesting. They always um, these are always released by Athena which is, the again, the educational arm of uh, ACORN. 
And uh, what Moyers does so well is he'll grab a subject, and unlike all the people who who have their own TV shows, he doesn't say, okay, uh, today we're going to talk about the Constitution uh, for the next, you know, 60 minutes, not including breaks. You can't really do it. So he picks a subject, and he puts his arms around it and tackles it as best as he can. And I'll tell you, uh, In Search of the Constitution, Bill Moyers' In Search of the Constitution, is really comprehensive. It's 11 parts. It is 10 hours long, more than 10 hours, almost 10 and a half hours long. And uh, it goes into everything. And it basically leaves it to the viewer to make to draw their own conclusions. But it's fascinating. It gets into every aspect of the Constitution, what it is, how it was created. Uh, it talks to scholars. He talks to people on the left, people on the right. I mean, you know, Supreme Court justices. It is. It is, and it doesn't. It doesn't attempt to actually preach to you. It says this is a unique and amazing document. It has inspired and influenced people the world over and other countries. Um, but it continues to be a point of contention and confusion for some people. Make up your own minds, but here's the information, and boy, is it comprehensive. Wait, uh, I need to be preached to. Here's what I like in my radio, news watching, and DVDs. Yes. I like to have my political views confirmed. I do not want anything that will make me question my views. That's... And I, and, and I must only hear things that make the other side seem like un-American uh, 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 idiots. Uh, that's why you like Hannity.com, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was on, I, I've been on that site for a while, but I, I would log on to Hannity.com and leave messages until I got thrown off. And then, and then if I got thrown off, I would, log, I would rejoin. That's hysterical. Uh, another great Bill Moyers uh, set here is Bill Moyers, A World of Ideas Writers. And uh, this, of course, is not political. This gets into culture, and it, but it's just as comprehensive, just as interesting. And uh, really, if you're a writer or if you love reading uh, great works of literature, you'll love this because it, um, it attempts to sort of, like everything that Moyers does, it attempts to somehow encapsulate the the issue of what inspires writers and what makes them write and what they write about and, and somehow find meaning in it across all strata of society, all cultures, all periods of time. It's really interesting. He talks to a number of Nobel Prize winners. He talks to a number of other great writers. Uh, you know, you even you get Isaac Asimov in here. Tom Wolfe shows up in here. I mean, uh, it, this is really extraordinary, and uh, this is not quite as long as the Constitution thing. This is about, you know, uh, five-some-odd hours long, but uh, still, that is—that's huge, and um, you got to check it out. Definitely check it out. If you love reading and if you love knowing what, what drives a writer, you're going to want to want to definitely dive into that. Um, see what I'm saying— is uh, the Deaf Entertainers documentary. Now, I, I am loath to actually overly criticize this because it'll make me sound like some kind of a horrible, wretched human being. Um, but I didn't totally love this. Um, you know, deaf artists, God bless them, I admire the hell out of them for, for doing what they do, but I don't know that this necessarily justifies an entire documentary. If you're interested in how handicapped artists actually make do and how their lives differ from yours, I would say then you'll probably be enthralled by this. But I just didn't find enough unique and special in this to uh, really justify a documentary all unto itself. Maybe a, document, a documentary short would have sufficed, but uh, a feature-length documentary seems a little bit overkill. 
Maybe like, you know, at 45 minutes, but 90, no. You just hate deaf people. I do, actually. Uh, They can never hear me. BBS has a a great series called Pioneers of Television. I wish they would box. They've been doing a lot of these. They they should box more of them, yeah. Because right now we have four individual ones. uh, Pioneers of Television, Local Kids TV, Westerns, Science Fiction, and Crime Dramas. Now, Westerns uh, I am least interested in. Uh, They talk a lot about uh, Daniel Boone and uh, Fess Parker and Davy Crockett and Bonanza and whatnot. Science fiction, now you're getting into my nerd world, which is uh, all about uh, Star Trek and Twilight Zone. Uh, That's good stuff there. Uh, Also, I mean, these are only 60 minutes, but they get get a lot of uh, new interviews and great vintage footage. Crime dramas, you got your Mission Impossibles and, uh, you know, your Rockford Files and your Columbos. This is just great stuff. Bill Cosby and I Spy, of course, is a big deal. African American, uh, uh, you know, uh, cop oh, that was hero. Like pioneering, pioneering when he wound up on that show. Oh yeah, that was and a by huge the way, deal. And you know, Robert Culp fought for him to be on that show. Good for but, him because at the time that was obviously very controversial. We lost Robert Culp this last year. I know he was cool. Um, you know, I saw the film he directed, um, Hickey and Boggs. Interesting movie. Oh yeah, really yeah. interesting movie. Really, I saw it projected at the LA Film Festival. Very kind of uh, surrealistic, dark kind of angry little mm. cop film. Mm. Uh, the one I like the best is Local Kids TV. Oh, yeah. Local Kids TV, this is uh, this one has a lot of Jim Henson stuff, and the Jim Henson stuff is just awesome. Chuck mm. McCann, Willard, you know, Willard Scott, the, uh, the old Today Show uh, weatherman. Yeah. People, don't, people don't remember that Willard Scott was a bozo the clown who worked out of Washington, D.C. That's D. right, that's right. And you got some of that stuff there. There were and, a lot of bozos. There were a lot of bozos. Yeah, you know, there was one. There was one original bozo, and I met his. I met his ex-wife or one of his ex-wives once. Wow, what a piece of work she was! That was unbelievable. Dreadful. Dreadful. And what stories she had about their life together? I didn't need to know those stories. Okay, movies. We're going to go through some uh, movies here real quickly. A couple of movies that you're not going to care much about, but we're going to mention them anyway just because. Uh, Tangie Miller and Malik Yoba in My Girlfriend's Back. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I got to say, there, there's something a little bit condescending. And again, I'm not black, so maybe I shouldn't be judging. But it seems a little something a little bit condescending about uh, these kinds of knockoff wannabe... Um, romantic comedies that they target just for the black community, which somehow, you like, if you live in the inner city, you're supposed to go just because black people are in it. And I, I think the audience deserves better than that. Now, this is from Lionsgate. Uh, this was released theatrically, uh, I think, for maybe a day or two this year. Uh, and uh, then they just spat it out on a DVD really quickly. Maybe you saw it in your neck of the woods. Maybe you didn't. But uh, this is like a thousand other movies. I can't say that there's anything special about it. And then uh, Melissa Joan Hart continues to uh, do unremarkable things with her career in Satin, which is, um, you know, she's not even really the star of this thing. It's, uh, they're, they're using her to promote it, but Hamilton Von Watts, whom I've never heard of, is actually the, technically the star. He plays uh, Jack Satin, who's kind of this, you know, nobody Las Vegas uh, entertainer. And um, this thing is kind of a wannabe allegory, mythical allegory, uh, with Robert Guillaume showing up as this old kind of jazz man who now fixes cars. And 
Um, Melissa Joan Hart is a bartender, and it's uh, you know it's about outcasts, and it's about life, and it's about fate, and none of it really hangs together very well. They think they're making a more uh, a wiser film than they really are, but it's not incompetently made. The guy who directed it, Chris Olnist, has a, has a pretty decent eye. So uh, you know, if you like the actors, I'd say probably give it a shot, but don't expect a whole lot. Uh, Mark, did you see Burlesque? No. Wait, I'm not gay. Well, you know what? I'm, you love that crap. You really do. That that I seems d- like a movie you would see and enjoy. I I thought I'd enjoy it. I thought I'd get a real showgirls thing going, but it's not. It's way too tame. And uh, they, I don't know why they even did this. It's almost like well, showgirls works because they didn't try to be campy, but it wound up being campy inadvertently. Here they're just trying too hard, and then they tone everything down so they can get the PG-13 rating. And it's just very, it's just silly. It's it is a beautiful Blu-ray. I'll say that. Uh, Christina Aguilera's voice is made for lossless audio. That's fantastic. She got um, pulled over for drunk driving. Or I something know. Like I that. heard. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, there's just nothing here. It uh, it's it's like Showgirls Light, and even Stanley Tucci seems to realize that he's just going through the motions. And uh, you know who else shows up in this to guarantee that it's a it's a complete and total catastrophe? Charlie Sheen, Kristen Bell. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> who hires her? Uh, well, obviously these people do. That's who does. Bizarre. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. The you know the movie SWAT didn't do well, but it obviously did well to uh, keep making SWAT movies. Direct to DVD and direct to Blu-ray. That is, we have the Blu-ray here of yet another SWAT film. Uh, with, but of course, you know, Colin Farrell isn't in them anymore. Uh, with Gabrielle Macht and Robert Patrick, SWAT firefight, and uh, it's silly and it's stupid and uh, doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's strictly an excuse to do an awful lot of uh, action staging. It doesn't really need to hang together. The thing that I like most about this is the name of the guy who directed it. I don't know who he is, but you know what his name is? Charlie Sheen. Benny Boom. Benny Boom? Benny Boom. I bet money that's not his real name, but he wants to be an action director, so he changed his name to Benny Boom. I think Benny Boom is a lot better than McGee. Anything's, you know what? That guy's done, like, nothing. I know. You know why? Because no one takes him seriously because his name is freaking McGee. But, of Stop course, uh, Neil Moritz produced this, uh, which means he's just doing, still doing a lot of crap and uh, more crap to follow because Neil Moritz, who I don't care for, I don't mind saying that. You know what else uh, he's got coming out, Mark? Um, Charlie Sheen. Battle L.A. Benny, uh, I'm seeing that on Tuesday. Uh, Are you really? I am. Well, you know why? A, a, friend, a friend of ours, uh, Next Phil, Tuesday. A friend of ours, Phil, really want, wants to go. He he put in an email to me like two weeks ago saying, when you get the invite for Battle LA, uh, uh, will you please RSVP and take me? So I got the RSVP and I, uh, I said, all right. You yeah, I guess go. I'm going too. I didn't even realize I'd gotten the invite, but it's in my calendar. Uh, Benny Boom is a music video director and current director of Gorilla Flicks. Well, there it is. Uh, I, uh, he's a member of uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. All right, we're getting down to the uh, to some better movies here, Mark. Uh, we're getting down to uh, things that are actually worth talking about. But first, I'm going to make mention of one more piece of junk, straight to DVD, straight to Blu-ray. Scooby-Doo, Curse of the Lake Monster, out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD and digital copy, all in one nice combo pack. These Scooby-Doo movies, much like the SWAT movies, they will not go away. Of course, this is not the original cast. I, only, I think this is like the third cast that they've thrown together for these Scooby-Doo movies. They're terrible. The original Scooby-Doo animated uh, stuff is so much better. This is just horrible. The CGI is horrible. The cast's horrible. The, 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 the writing is terrible. 
I, I, and it, oh, look, this includes never-before-seen music sequences. Never-before-seen, never-to-be-seen ever again. Aww. That's right. Um, and uh, Mark? Yes. Yes, Wade, may I help you? The cable guy. Uh, How do we feel I, about the cable guy? Um, I thought it, I liked that. I thought it was fine. I, I why does the, everyone rip on this movie? Uh, be, you know why? Because at that, because uh, people didn't want to see Jim Carrey go in, dark. In, go dark. They weren't ready for that. They wanted to see him talking out of his butt. They weren't ready for him to go dark. This is because like, that's like creepy, uncomfortable dark. This is you know I love movies about unwanted visitors, followers, friends, obsessives who just won't go away. That's why I think What About Bob is one of the funniest movies I have ever seen. What About Bob is brilliant. It is brilliant. Uh, He's not going to leave. He never leaves. This <laughs> is great. Is this some kind of radical new therapy? Uh, but this takes the What About Bob concept and pushes it into very scary territory. And it is funny, but it is also way dark. Jim Carrey, of course, is the cable guy who wants to be best friends with Matthew Broderick. And he goes to the nth degree, and it just goes way over the top. Uh, it's interesting looking at this in hindsight, who's actually in this movie. I mean, Ben Stiller directed it. And does a great job of directing it. But, you know, uh, Judd Apatow produced this. Did you know that? I, you know what? I did not know that. Judd Apatow produced it. Uh, Brad Gray, before he ran Paramount, was an executive producer on it. And on top of that, the cast includes Jack Black, George Siegel, Leslie Mann, who, of course, is Judd Apatow's wife and is in everything he does. Uh, I mean, you know. Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen, uh, Owen Wilson. Uh, you you kind of go, wow, look at that. That's, you know, I mean, you forget this This movie really kind of had it all decked out. And I think if people were to watch this again today on Blu-ray, which is, let me be honest, it's not a great Blu-ray. Sony kind of phoned this one in. But it's got uh, a great new commentary with Ben Stiller and Apatow and Jim Carrey. Uh, you know, the usual other stuff, HBO First Look and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, extended scenes, gag reel rehearsal footage, junk that's not that great, but the commentary is very good, the transfer is decent enough, and the movie is really, really, really good. Two things in this movie that I, I say make it great. Here's what, here's what I can't just, I, I, you cannot forget once you've seen. The, uh, the Jefferson airplane sequence, the party, the party scene with the Jefferson airplane music and Jim Carrey doing the dance, oh my gosh, so scary, so freaky, so funny. It's a classic. It's maybe the best piece of film Ben Stiller has ever directed. And uh, the other thing is the uh, medieval times sequence, the uh, where they where they where he it's the whole uh, Kirk and Spock uh, from a mock time bit. Yeah, a Star Trek reference. Funny. Oh my gosh, that's funny. You do love this movie. Oh, I love this movie. I can't can't get enough of it. What the? Yes. Well, oh, go ahead. Oh, talk about that one first. Oh, fine. Oh, Wade, what can we say about Dwayne Johnson? You know, he's the, he's I don't the rockiest. like I don't like any of these uh, wrestling guys. I think they're all uh, I just don't get it like John Cena and whatever, but, but Dwayne Johnson is cool. He's got it down. He does. He's charming and he's funny and you know what? He had a moment and it's not happening for him anymore. He just he couldn't make it happen. Now he's doing stuff like Faster, uh where he plays a guy known just as Driver. That's all he does. Drives. <laughs> And he spent 10 years in prison, and when he gets out, he wants to avenge the murder of his brother uh, during a bank robbery. And, uh, you know, he teams up with a—well, uh, he doesn't team up with—he's uh, being followed by this cop played by Billy Bob Thornton. And, you know, it's got a lot of uh, chase scenes, and it's directed by George Tillman Jr., 
and uh, you know, is just a really bad police procedural, and it's got a couple of good um, I'm very... chase scenes. Although, you know what? Honestly, George Tillman Jr. directed like Soul Food and Beauty Shop, so he's not quite Mr. Action Guy. This is the thing. I, I'm so disappointed that Tillman is doing this kind of stuff, because I think Tillman has real talent as a, uh, as a filmmaker. Now, I've met Tillman. We have, we have friends in common. I actually met him uh, socially uh, a couple of times. Really, really nice guy. Very, very talented. Um, he's still working with his uh, his partner Robert Title, who who's who I also I've also met, and these guys, I mean, they they just they should be doing better movies than this. They really should. Uh, this is just such a such a throwaway. But you know, please put your use your talents for good, would you? And then uh, a diamond edition on Blu-ray and DVD. This is probably our pick of the week of uh, Bambi from Disney. Go get it before it goes back in the vault because it will. It's only going to be out for a limited time. They've really loaded this up. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous Blu-ray transfer. This may be even more beautiful than the film ever looked in theatrical release. Your kids will love it. The whole family will go nuts, and you'll cry time and time again. It doesn't matter how much of a hard, stone-hard, stone-cold bruiser you think you are. You will cry at Bambi. Somehow Bambi gets everybody just, just pouring tears. I don't know what it is. The big men... The, the the strong guys, the muscle guys, they all they all cry at Bambi. The thing that's problematic for me is Bambi's a boy. How did Bambi become a girl's name in common vernacular? Like, why don't people name their sons Bambi after the movie? Interesting. Well, you know what? There's really nothing masculine about Bambi. Okay. Just the, 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 just the character. But there's also nothing female about him either. Well, kind of. You look at the big eyes and the cute little mouth, and it just uh, right, doesn't maybe. seem like a... Okay. I got a dude. Well, anyway, the uh, honestly, I got to tell you, the there's tons of stuff here. All the deleted scene stuff and uh, the inside Walt story meetings uh, stuff, and all of the you know the 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 evolution of the artwork. It's fantastic. You get you gain so much appreciation for this movie, but it's just it looks great on Blu-ray. It's incredible. It's one you know Disney just goes to town on all of their animated classics, and they really deliver great Blu-rays, especially in audio. The lossless audio. You will you get a terrific mix on every single one of these Disney's. Sure do, and you got to watch out because again, these are only available for a short time, and if you don't pick it up before they pull it from the shelves, you wind up on eBay. Back in the vault, paying twice as much. Back in the vault. Oh, I hate Eddie Griffin. Why'd you hand me this? Eddie Griffin is a, a stand-up <laughs> Cause, comic. Because I hate him more than you do. Yeah, he's That's got why. a DVD called uh, You Can Tell Him I Said It, and it's all about Eddie Griffin. Yeah, woo, yeah, Viagra. Yeah, he's gonna do Viagra jokes. Wait a second, wait. You realize that in this one, he does a bunch of stuff about racial stereotypes. No kidding. Wow. And did I mention Viagra? Yeah. He's good. Oh, he's the worst. Live from Oakland, uh, California, this was taped. Uh, Eddie Griffin, you can tell him I said it. A terrible DVD from a terrible comic. Oh, that's true. Horrible. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, Glenn Gould... One of the great piano players of all time. One of the great piano players of all time. He died like 30 years ago. Um, He was mostly famous for something that I don't quite understand, which is uh, his amazing interpretation of the Goldberg Variations, which is this uh, multi-part piano opus that he... He became synonymous with. And um, this is actually... a. No, not a... What is that? Oh, is this the same thing? Oh, one's on DVD, one's on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, we have the DVD and the Blu-ray for Genius Within the Inner Life of Glenn Gould. This is directed by uh, uh, Michelle Hoser. Hoser <laughs> and uh, Peter Raymond, and this is good stuff. Glenn Gould was an interesting guy. He was basically a little bit uh, eccentric. He was a little bit eccentric, which a lot of geniuses are. And you've got a lot of great concert footage, and there's uh, you know uh, he reads diary entries, his photos, and it's pretty uh, intense home recordings. It's good stuff. You know yeah. what? And Gould was a smart guy. And you got a lot of his thoughts on music and art and whatnot. And uh, Genius Within, The Inner Life of Glenn Gould, is a very interesting uh, look at a very interesting guy. I would almost say, like, not idiot savantish, but... Uh, yeah, pretty close. Pretty, pretty close, close to idiot savant, you think? I, I love uh, 32 short films about Glenn Gould. And uh, other than that, I had, you know, I'm a classical film nut and a classical music nut. And I had uh, known very little about Glenn Gould until I saw... The you know, 32 short films, which, of course, is a fictional or a, a dramatic interpretation. But then I had to talk about this on the radio last year, and it was like, wow, that's a, you know, a lot more about, I mean, much richer and deeper look at him than uh, than you might have ever imagined possible. Really a fascinating guy, every bit as fascinating as uh, the 32 short film film suggests that he probably was. And, uh, yeah, these are really good. The, uh, the Blu-ray is very, very, very sharp, very crisp, almost too crisp in some ways. You see uh, on some of the source material, it really kind of exaggerates and magnifies the, uh, the flaws in it, but uh, still really good. You know, this thing here, I don't know why this is Volume 1. This is Music Videos and Performances from the Twilight Saga Soundtracks, Volume 1, which terrifies me because do we need more than one volume? Really? Hell yeah. Do we really? I don't know. This is uh, this is just a shameless attempt at uh, capitalizing on the Twilight popularity before everyone becomes hopelessly embarrassed to admit that they ever liked or uh, went to any of these films. Um, you know, you get things on here like uh, CeeLo Green, What Part of Forever, not what I want to remember CeeLo Green for. Uh, and, uh, you know, The Black Ghost's Full Moon, Hurricane Bell's Monsters, and uh, whatever. I, I don't like these films, and uh, this doesn't do anything for me at all. Mark, you found you fan of Jeff Beck? Oh, of course, Jeff Beck is one of the great guitar heroes of the uh, '70s and '80s. You a fan of Les Paul? Les Paul, who recently passed away, is basically the inventor of the electric guitar. Wow! And uh, this is a little bit cheesy. It's called Jeff Beck's Rock and Roll Party, honoring Les Paul. The the thing is, is that uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like rock and roll party, woo! But you know what? Uh, there's so much great music on here. So much great music. This is filmed at the Iridium Jazz Club in New York. You ever been there? I have not. I haven't either. I have not. And uh, there's such great stuff here. Gary U.S. Bonds, uh, Brian Setzer from uh, Stray Cats, Trombone Shorty. Man, is there a lot of great songs on this thing. Uh, Cruisin', Train Kept a Rollin', Cry Me a River, uh, How High the Moon, Sitting on Top of the World. This is. Uh, these are some great old rock and roll kind of classics. And uh, I, I know totally forgotten about Gary U.S. Bonds. What ha- it's like? Wow, where have a lot of these people gone? Uh, he became uh, uh, Gary. <laughs> Their financial meltdown joke on that. Yeah, uh, don't, don't even try. No, it's not happening. Anyway, it's on DVD and Blu-ray. No reason to get the Blu-ray, uh, although the audio is a little bit cleaner. But uh, still, it's a lot of great songs there. Really, it's something where you get that if you love Jeff Beck, you love Les Paul, you're a real rock and roll historian. Because uh, it doesn't have a lot of like modern day hits, True. but it's great stuff. Uh, I'm going to recommend that people uh, forego the DVD and get the Blu-ray of Les Misérables, the music, Never seen it. the music event of a lifetime. Never seen it. 25th anniversary. 
featuring Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers. Wow. No, I'll tell you, definitely get this on Blu-ray. Uh, Les Miserables, the stage production, uh, this, especially this 25th anniversary staging, is just so spectacular. And uh, concerts like this, when they're shot in HD and then you watch them on Blu-ray, you really, really appreciate them so much more. Uh, you, you just get a sense of the scale of it and the, uh, the meticulousness of it. You know, here's the thing that I couldn't help but think about while watching this, because Les Miserables is really one of the great musicals of like of the a stage production musicals of the past 20 or 30 years never I seen mean, it it's it's tremendous it really is but it takes them for i mean it used to be able to they used to be able to get these stage musicals on a film in just a matter of years you know five six seven years you transition oklahoma and my fair lady and you know all of these great musicals eventually what became films within a generation Phantom of the Opera was in development forever. This thing, they tried to get uh, made as a feature film, never got it off the ground. It's like, I don't understand. If it's, if it's such a great musical and such a great Broadway production, what, what takes so long? Well, you know what? You don't want to undercut the Broadway ticket sales. You don't want to undercut yeah. all the roadshow versions. Yeah, whatever. Well, a lot of great people involved in this. Uh, obviously, Nick Jonas is the big name that uh, a lot of people make mention of. Leah Salonga also here, who was in uh, Miss Saigon, was her big breakthrough. And then she, of course, sang the uh, did the vocals for the songs in Aladdin and is lovely. I had the privilege of interviewing her at the time, and she is just a doll. She's delicious, Mark. She's delicious. Aww. But you also get uh, Alfie Bow, Norm Lewis, Matt Lucas, Katie Hall, Samantha Barks, Jenny Galloway. Jenny Galloway, another huge uh, voice in the musical theater scene. This is really lovely. And uh, even if you've never seen any version of it, I would say this is uh, not a bad way to start. Wait, I have one thing to say to you. What is that? I probably took more drugs than anybody could survive. I was banging seven gram rocks because that's how I roll. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. The run I made was, he's talked about his last drug binge, it's radical. The run I was on made Sinatra, Flynn, Jagger, Richards look like droopy-eyed, armless children. Oh, that's nothing to brag about, Charlie. We, it's, just, it's so sad. This whole meltdown of his makes me so sad because I, that's, not, that's not who he is. It's, so, it's just so aggressive, and everything he says is more embarrassing than the last thing he said. You know, there's, a, there's, there's something that oftentimes happens with addicts, uh, or so I've been told, which is that, uh, that, that uh, sometimes they'll reach a point where they realize that they not only can't beat their addiction, but they don't want to. So they just decide to just go full blow and uh, own it. And he's, he, that seems to be what he's doing now. He's just going to own the addiction, and he's just going to, you know, that's, what I, that's who he is. And it's, it's sad because it's not the guy I knew, you know. Anyway. Anyway. Depressing. Uh, a few interesting things from Gaim. You know, Gaim is commonly known for their exercise DVDs, but they also have a, they do a, a lot of output deals with uh, Discovery Channel and TLC and uh, Screen Media a lot of other companies, and uh, some of these are actually pretty good. Uh, this is from the Discovery Channel via Gaim, Speed of Life. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm hot and cold on a lot of these nature documentary things for television because some of them really cut corners, and unless it's the BBC stuff, the, uh, the Planet Earth stuff, it, it, it tends to kind of feel very undercooked. But there's some very slick stuff here, and uh, Speed of Life uses uh, some very interesting photography 
to kind of give you a sense of all these different natural terrains around the world and uh, the ecosystems within. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's pretty slick. you got three episodes here, Predators of the Southwest, Central America, and East Africa. Um, give that a little look. TLC has a show called Sister Wives, which is sort of like Big Love except a reality show. And uh, it's just a little bit creepy. I, I think these people actually, in their whole kind of polygamous lifestyle, they really crank it up for the sake of the cameras, for the sake of just creating a little bit of a sensationalistic uh, uh, show. It it feels it feels a, a little. I, I don't want to say phony, but it feels a little bit forced. Uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, people. Some people love reality shows. They love all that junk. So, uh, you know, it's available for you, but I'm not going to recommend it. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, you like this guy, don't you? Aren't you a big fan of him? I'm not a fan of him, but I know that he had done a show on Iceland. Yeah. And uh, when I watched it, I watched it in preparation for visiting Iceland. Well, this is Travel Channel, again, distributed by Gaim. Uh Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Collection 5, Part 2. Uh, you know, it's it's just great travel stuff. And um, it, it basically food and travel is the subject of it. And uh, traveling around the world, finding good food. And uh, the focus here is Australia, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Detroit, which uh, who knew there was good food there? Uh, San Francisco, Thailand, Montana, outer boroughs of New York City, Vietnam, Brittany. Uh, the guy gets around. What a great job, isn't it? Gosh, you know, what a great you job. Know, you know what the best job in the world is? What? Being a Vatican assassin warlock. What the hell are you reading? That's what Charlie Sheen is. A Vatican assassin warlock? That's what he said. Oh, my gosh. You know, Kant is the cancer of happen. Oh, jeez. These quotes will never go away. They really won't. Uh, slightly different along the food and travel uh, alignment is Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern, Collection 4, Part 2. Uh, if you like the Bourdain stuff, you'll probably like this as well. It's a slightly different take, but he uh, he goes to Seoul, Puerto Rico, Thailand as well, Mongolia, Arizona, Tokyo, Bangkok, Baja, Buenos Aires, and uh, he's a little bit he's a little bit friendlier, a little bit easier on the funny bone, uh, because he looks for funny stuff, weird stuff, odd food. He's not just out for a good time; he's out for an odd time. And then uh, also, lastly, from the uh, Travel Channel is Samantha Brown's Asia. Now, this is not all about food. This is just straight-up traveling. Samantha Brown is really very sweet, wonderful host. And uh, she, she just makes it all feel so like, like you're, you're never going to get hit by a tsunami, even though all the places she goes to are right in the line of fire. So you're not going to fool me there, Samantha Brown, but she is really adorable. And uh, she does a great job of taking you on a tour of some very cool places. Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand are the highlight of this. Uh, Hong Kong, I love it a lot, but you can't really encapsulate it as quickly as she does. Malaysia and Bali, pretty good. And uh, with that, I think we're just about done. Um, Check us out on stupidformovies.com this Thursday at 8 p.m., Tell your friends, watch it. We're going to do a little postmortem on the Oscars, and then we're going to talk about the movies we've seen this week, including Rango and uh, the Adjustment Bureau, uh, which is uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion, I think. It will be. Also, what's interesting is, uh, is the fact that I have tiger blood and Adonis DNA in me. Oh, my gosh. That quote is just unbelievable. I heard them. People have been quoting that one all day long. All day long. That is the, the, tiger blood and Adonis DNA. That is just, Wow. Jeez, Charlie, come on, please. 
Get back on the wagon. Get this. Fix yourself. He's, that, that show's over now, isn't it? That's done. Oh, Two God. and a half, man. There, there's no way that he and Chuck Lorre are going to be able to uh, shake hands and work together. Not going to happen. It's over. It's yep. done. That, that $1.8 million a week paycheck is going bye-bye. You can recast it. Well, they probably will. They'll do a spin-off. They'll take them on the road, put them in a new place. It'll be like Gloria. Remember Gloria spinning off? <laughs> <laughs>